Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we speak to Ghana's Dennis Odoi, who made his international debut at the age of 33 in March, helping the Black Stars to qualify for the World Cup as they beat Nigeria in the playoffs. Now, Odoi was close to committing to play for Belgium, but finally opted for the Black Stars, and it was an amazing start. Obviously, like I didn't expect it to to happen anymore, but it shows you that like always expect the unexpected, I guess. That's coming later. Also, we look at the aftermath of the World Cup playoffs, with six countries fined and lots too on the English Premier League and on the thrilling UEFA Champions League semi-finals. But first, the first legs of the semi-finals of the CAF Champions League are on this weekend. Al Ahly of Egypt taking on Entente City of Algeria. Al Ahly looking for a record-extending 11th title, and the surprise team Petro Atletico of Angola play at home to Widad Casablanca of Morocco. And on Sunday, the semi-final first legs of the CAF Confederation Cup: TP Mazembe of DR Congo playing RS Bakan of Morocco. And Alatli Tripoli of Libya plays South Africa's Orlando Pirates. The TP Mazembe, the most experienced team in the final four, five times Champions League winners, while Pirates are the 1995 African champions. But Alatli Tripoli have hugely improved in recent years. So we'll see how those first legs go this weekend. Now, following the World Cup playoffs for Africa played in March, a ties that had plenty of controversy, FIFA has sanctioned six countries,、uh, but the replays requested by Algeria and Egypt have been turned down. Senegal, Nigeria, and DR Congo have all been ordered to play one match behind closed doors, as well as being fined. And Algeria, Egypt, and Morocco have all been fined too. Well, Algeria had demanded a replay of their second leg loss at home to Cameroon, that saw the Desert Foxes eliminated on away goals. The Algeria Football Federation and national team coach Jamel Belmadi were unhappy with several decisions made by Gambian referee Bakary Kassama. Instead, though, the only sanction issued by FIFA was a $3,000 fine to Algeria for throwing of objects and lighting of fireworks. Then Nigeria, who also knocked out on away goals, were fined $154,000 and must play one match without supporters after their fans invaded the pitch following their second leg in Abuja against Ghana.、Uh, Senegal must also play one game behind closed doors, plus a fine of $180,000 after their second leg win over Egypt. Among the offences was the use of laser pointers. There were images, especially in the penalty shootout, of Egypt players being targeted by lasers, and Egypt had requested a replay. Meanwhile, the Egypt Football Association were fined six thousand dollars after the referee in the second leg in Dakar cautioned six Egypt players. Well,、uh, lots of talking points then there, Ida, and I guess it was always going to be unlikely that we're going to have those games replayed. I agree, Steve. Highly, highly unlikely. And you know, for however much the fans love football, we have to remember that the beautiful game is also a big, big business, and one of the biggest, if I may add. 
I mean, it would have set FIFA back a bunch, not only in terms of timelines, but also possible revenue, you know, to have these games replayed. And it would also have started a dangerous precedent, in my opinion, at least, if you ask me. Steve, let's actually put into perspective for the listeners, you know, this that we're talking about. Now, over 23 million tickets were requested in the latest sale for the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. 23.5 million, to be exact. Now, out of all these, only 2 million tickets will be available to the general public, with 1.2 million tickets set aside for sponsors and backers. Now, let's compare this with the first round of sales, which happened in January and February. Now, only about 804,000 tickets were bought. Naturally, Steve, the demand for requests was higher in this last 23-day period because it followed the World Cup draw that was on 1st April, you know, where teams were revealed, the groups were revealed, and what have you. Steve, it's estimated that a ticket for the final will go for about $1,600. So FIFA can't have anything setting this back. And I am sure that we will get to all this on a much deeper level, you know, as a tournament comes up. But yes, I did want the listeners to understand just some of the dynamics at play, you know, when different countries ask for replays. There is absolutely little to no chance. But quickly going back to the FIFA sanctions, as you've said there, Egypt asking for a replay and getting fined instead. And I do think it's important to mention the irony, Steve, because some of the things that the pharaohs accused Senegal of doing, you know, the lasers, the racial attacks, are things that Egypt has been accused of doing for the longest by opponents for years. And look, I'm not saying that two wrongs make a right here. I'm just pointing out some facts. Algeria as well, asking for a replay when their coach Belmadi was caught making really sensitive statements, actually, about the referee after the game where he seemed to incite violence against the Gambian referee. Steve, on a bit of a side note, it is interesting, I will say, to note that some of these fines are more than fines that some European countries have been punished with, for racism in recent years. So, you know, interesting observations all round, I will say. Yes. Well, thanks, Ida. Stay with us. Uh, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, show brought to you by Passion for Sport, to our interview with Ghana's Dennis Odoi, who made his international debut at the age of 33 in March. And after two matches, he could be off to the World Cup with the Black Stars. Odoi plays for Club Bruges in Belgium, having spent four seasons with Fulham. He has a Belgian mother and a Ghanaian father and was close to committing to play for Belgium, having represented them at youth level and in one senior friendly in 2012. But after some years of indecision, he opted for the Black Stars, and it was an amazing start with the win over Nigeria in the playoff round of the World Cup qualifiers in what's nicknamed the Joloff Derby. Well, Dennis Odoi spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji, who first asked six months ago, did he see himself in this position? No, no chance. It's, uh, it's, it's like I told you, the process took a very long time for me to get everything sorted. I think we're talking about three, four years. So uh, I didn't expect it uh, to be here 
uh, with, after the last AFCON, I didn't get called up, so I thought it was over. I said, okay, maybe I'm too old, maybe they don't, they don't want me. But then it turned out that not all my papers were done. And then I got a call from the coach saying, like, okay, 95% they told me your papers are done. If your papers are 100% done, then I want you in the squad for the two games against Nigeria. And I was like, okay, if it's done, then, then I'll come. Nigeria, I'm sure when you saw when you saw the fixture, you're like, no, no, this is going to be a difficult one. Are you surprised about the fact that Ghana beat Nigeria on a way goes to qualify? Uh, no, I mean, it is true. I think, like, Nigeria were f- favorites. If you look at, at their squad, they have bigger names, but names names are not everything. You can have big names, but you need to be a, a good team, a good a good squad, and, and you need to be a cohesive uh, yeah, group. And uh, I think over the two games that... We show them that we, as a, as a team, we're, we're good and we, we fight for each other. Before this game, did you or did you understand the intense rivalry between Nigeria and Ghana? Did they ever tell you? Did you ever discuss it at home? Have you ever heard about it? No, I think, uh, I mean, they told me here, but I think you need to be like live here or to know the real the real rivalry it is. I know it's two West African countries and very close to one another and there's this big rivalry about Jalof as well. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean yeah this is we're fighting for the World Cup so I mean obviously it's it's sweet now that you win against Nigeria but like no matter which country it was you want to win those two games. Personally though, at your age, did you ever ever imagine that you could get an opportunity to play at the World Cup? I mean, seriously, when you look at your age and you look at your journey as well. Right. No, no, true. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm old. I think I'm, I was the <laughs> oldest guy in the, in, the, in the squad. And obviously, like, I didn't expect it to, to happen anymore. But it shows you that, like, always expect the unexpected, I guess. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, like, I also didn't expect to have the career I had uh, in total to have the the career I had at Fulham and uh, I think everybody that knows me especially like like for the last years in Fulham they know what kind of guy I am I, I, every day at training I show up I give 100% I, I, I work hard I know the player I am I am not the most gifted player but every day I show up 100% and I give 100% every every game and I guess it shows you that with hard work you can get far what does representing Ghana mean for you I mean for someone who's oh, everything you ever know was in Europe what does Ghana represent? Obviously, it's a it's a it's a part of me. I have a, I have a difficult relationship with 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 my father, so he's a part of Ghanaian for me. But for me, it's a it's a this is a ideal opportunity for me to to find out what 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 Ghana is and the part of me that is Ghanaian and see where certain things come from. I guess. What are the things about Ghana that makes it distinct and things that makes it different from what, what, or everything you know? I think everybody's. Uh, just more straightforward and uh, will tell you as it is. And uh, But also it's like uh, uh, a feeling of, of, of togetherness. Everybody's open and uh, yeah, welcome to, to, to one another. And uh, yeah, when everybody wants to help you. Do you have your favorite Ghanaian food? Jollof. <laughs> <laughs> I said don't mention jollof. Well, they are fufu, fufu. banku, kinky, wachi. Oh, then, I, then I would choose fufu. You choose fufu? Yeah. When you look at uh, most kids born in Europe, who of course have um, their African roots and all that, for someone who's actually come here to play now, what would be your message to some of them who are trying to find home and their roots? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, like also for me, it's everybody has to take his, his, his time when he's when he's ready, I guess. For some, it's maybe easier. I, I come from divorced divorced parents, so then it makes it a bit harder. 
also then now I have a, a family of my own but also it's like for my for my kids to also to tell them what that part of mine of mine is that there's I look different than white people so that I also <laughs> have to tell them like what that part is and for me I can tell them now what that part is and they look and they've they've watched the uh, the videos I've made here and like they're super uh, excited so but I think everybody who has roots here take your time and and, and discover it when you're ready well, that's Ghana's Dennis Odoi, who at the age of 33 made his international debut for the Black Stars in March, helping them to qualify for the World Cup, uh, speaking there to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloeshina Okaleji. Uh, quite a story, Ida. It took so long for Odoi to commit to Ghana. There certainly will be question marks there, but uh, it's really worked out well. It really did, Steve, and it said that many Ghanaians actually hadn't heard of Odoi prior to this, and so they were naturally doubtful, you know. Add to that his age, and realistically, things didn't look too good for him. But, you know, Odoi did give a good account of himself over the two games, and fans actually took to him after so much so that some have even started fan clubs in his name. <laughs> but with the Black Stars qualifying for the World Cup, then going back home and meeting the president, Odoi was one of the more popular names, Steve. And it was then that many considered him fully accepted. Now, on the pitch, Ghana has really struggled for a while now in the fullback position. Focusing on right-backs ever since the likes of uh, Harrison Afol left the Black Stars, they haven't really found a natural fit. So it's really important to everyone. Everyone is hopeful that they will next see how Odoi fares at the World Cup. This is not the end for him just qualifying for the World Cup. The work has actually only just begun. And, of course, the age-old question comes in. I mean, was the African country... Ghana, in this case, the backup for him, you know, once he couldn't make it for Belgium. All in all, Steve, what an interview, his candor as well about his father, and ultimately a dream, you know, to make a first World Cup at 33, when many start giving up, you know, an absolute dream. Sure. Thanks, Ida. We'll see if Dennis Odoi gets to play for Ghana at the World Cup. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League and on Real Madrid's amazing comeback in the Champions League semi-finals. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's go to social media now. And last week we had an interview with Nigeria and Watford forward Emmanuel Dennis, who says that there is a certain club that he'd love to play for but that he's not revealing anything now. Uh, with Watford looking likely to be relegated, we asked, which club do you think will be best for him next season and why? With your comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, thanks, Steve. And uh, we had a massive response to this one. Uh, first, here's uh, Irakoza Moses, uh, who says, uh, better for him to remain there at Watford so as to help them to come back to the Premier League. But analysis Omar Ibaji in Nigeria disagrees, saying uh, to Dennis, if any club uh, comes for you, go. Don't follow Watford to the championship. 
Ogona Omensen in Dubai feels that uh, Dennis should go to Arsenal, although John Obi in Nigeria says at Arsenal he will only sit on the bench and watch. Uh, but a lot of others think that uh, Dennis would do well at the Gunners. Uh, Bobson Bob Songa in Sierra Leone, Mohamed Esturai also in Sierra Leone, and uh, Rufus Gon in Liberia. A bitty boy says uh, Villarreal wants him and they've made him their main target. And Loveth Mary in Nigeria says Klopp will turn him into a legend, so Liverpool is good for him. Amu Christian Chijoke says he should go to Chelsea, as does Ogbuka Ebuka Leonard. And we had this voice note from Bolong Baji of The Gambia. Well, I would love to see Emmanuel Dennis joining Manchester United. Considerably, uh, Manchester United have a lot of work to do, unlike my Liverpool, Chelsea and Man City, who are at their very best. I mean, uh, there is a possibility of him speeding up Manchester United to regain their very best because of his zeal to score and those extreme beautiful ranges of passes he does. Uh, thanks, uh, Bolong. And uh, Williams uh, Kabuja in uh, Ghana also says, for me, Emmanuel Dennis should join Manchester United. Reason is, new manager is taking over and it will be a good season for him. De Princere from Nuju says that his suggestion is that he goes to Newcastle. So does Ohia Justice in Nigeria. And yes, Newcastle could be an attractive option given their big budget and high aspirations. Ishmael Mayo in Kenya thinks Crystal Palace would be good for him. Matthew Yakubu Bechila in Nigeria says Villarreal or Newcastle, even Fulham. Emeka Ubochi in Nigeria says he's going for Brentford. D. Babins, Domak in Kenya, says Leicester City, as does Diabere Oscar in Nigeria. Mohamed Jalo goes for Valencia, and Simon Peter Eber says West Ham. Ameti Vitalis says West Ham or Aston Villa will be okay for now. Amadou Jalo says Crystal Palace or Brighton. Abu Onsumana Abu from Sierra Leone says, I think the best club for Dennis will be Fulham. Reason being, there would be no pressure on him playing there. And finally, on a totally different note, we've got uh, Chikudi Chuku in Abuja in Nigeria who says, let him come back to the Nigerian league. Captain Ahmad Musa did that and this is not foolish. So lots of suggestions there, Steve, and um, we will have to wait and see what happens with Emmanuel Dennis in the coming weeks. Thanks, Ephraim. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. And this week we're asking, how good is Sajo Mane right now? Uh, Mane might be overshadowed somewhat by Mohamed Salah at Liverpool. But this season he has 20 goals in all competitions and he's become the highest scoring African player ever in the knockout stage of the UEFA Champions League, surpassing Didier Drogba with his goal against Villarreal on Tuesday. Well, Jürgen Klopp has said that Mane is a Ballon d'Or contender, having won the Africa Cup of Nations this year. So we're asking, what do you think? How good is Sadio Mane right now? And can we place him alongside the likes of African greats like Didier Drogba? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. How good would you say Sajo Mane is right now? 
Well, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK now. Let's start with Mane and the Champions League semi-finals. Uh, Liverpool, a bit of a scare against Villarreal and an incredible tie between Man City and Real Madrid, Stuart. Well, Steve, the two legs of the two Champions League semi-finals did not disappoint. You know, remember, it was the two semi-finals, England against Spain, and so it will be in the final, Liverpool against Real Madrid in Paris on the 28th of May. Liverpool's remarkable quest for four trophies continues. They've won the League Cup. Later this month, they play the finals of the FA Cup and the Champions League. In the Premier League, they sit one point behind Manchester City. But Manchester City's treble has evaporated, leaving them only chasing the league title. We'll come on to Manchester City in a moment. But, you know, Liverpool two up in the first leg and we thought the game was over. They were home and dry. But when Villarreal scored after two minutes and added a second goal before half-time, Liverpool knew they had a fight in their hands. You know, it was a strange game with the Spanish club completely dominant in the first half and then Liverpool scoring three goals in the first half hour of the second half. In the end, a comfortable 5-2 win for Liverpool, but at 2-2, at half-time in the second leg, and Villarreal in the sentence, it was anything but. And just, let's not forget the massive contribution of Liverpool's four African players. Mo Salah has scored 20 league goals for the fourth time for the club this season, Sergio Mani, 14 league goals, plus three goals in the last three weeks in semi-finals of the FA Cup and Champions League. Really important goals. And Joel Matip has played most of the games in the back four, while Naby Cater, who has struggled for game time a certain amount, is playing. He scored the only goal in the vital league game when they beat Newcastle 1-0 and he was on the pitch until the point where Liverpool had got their third goal and the game was safe against Villarreal. But now, what about Manchester City-Real Madrid? Manchester City going to Madrid, 4-3 up in the first leg and in all honesty, it was quite a dull game with Real Madrid having to wait until the 90th minute for their first shot on target. But boy, did it take off. Riyad Mahrez had scored for Manchester City after 73 minutes to give City a two-goal advantage and really had just looked over. Then, incredibly, as we reached the 90th minute, Real Madrid scored two goals in two minutes, both by Rodrigo, the Brazilian, and that took the game into extra time. And now, of course, Real had the momentum, City on the back foot. Benzema scored a penalty after five minutes. He didn't try the Panenka this time. And at that point, the teams had been playing for 3 hours 15 minutes and for the first time, Real Madrid were ahead. The game finished 3-1 to Real Madrid, 6-5 over the two legs. Afterwards, Pep Guardiola said this as Manchester City players had buckled under the pressure. But I wonder too, did Guardiola get his tactics wrong? After Mares scored to put them two goals ahead, Guardiola took off Kevin De Bruyne, Riyad Mares. Gabriel Jesus, bringing on more defensive players like Gundogan and Fernandinho to hold on to the lead. But that meant when Real Madrid equalised and took the lead, some of City's most creative attacking players had already gone off. Guardiola last won the Champions League in 2011. Since then, he's been in one final, five semi-finals, three quarter-finals, but never won it again. 
Manchester City looked the best club team in Europe, but yet again, the big prize has slipped away. Indeed, yeah, frustrating for Manchester City and um, uh, Guardiola must wonder what he has to do to win the Champions League with them. Um, so as you say, Stuart, uh, focus for City very much on the English Premier League and that's where the attention will be for now before the Champions League final. Uh, will they be affected, do you think, uh, by being knocked out of the Champions League? Well, I think that's something we'll just have to, have to wait and see. You know, it, it might give them more motivation or they, they might be a bit um, off the boil. Uh, last weekend, Manchester City beat Leeds, Liverpool beat Newcastle, so no change at the top. Manchester City still one point ahead of Liverpool. Manchester City won 4-0 with four goals coming from four different players. And incredibly, that's the 14th game this season in which City have had four or more goal scorers in a match. The two goals for Manchester City came from free kicks and corners was no surprise because Manchester City this season have scored 18 set-piece goals and poor old Leeds have conceded 18 set-piece goals. The battle for fourth place and even third place, you might say, is tighter than ever with Chelsea losing at Everton and, in fact, Chelsea winning only one of their last four games. They are in third place, but only three points ahead of Arsenal, with Tottenham a further two points behind, all with four games to go. This weekend, Chelsea at home to Wolves, Tottenham away to Liverpool, that's a tough one, while Arsenal are at home to Leeds. And to make it more interesting, Arsenal and Tottenham's next game is against each other. Burnley beat Watford, which was a third successive win under the new manager, and Everton beat Chelsea at the bottom of the table, so it looked even tighter than ever. Watford losing to Burnley was their 11th successive home defeat. With Norwich already relegated, Watford can only survive on goal difference if they win all four remaining games and others lose. But that all means that Leeds United have slipped into the relegation zone. And this weekend, Leeds are away to Arsenal, Everton away to Leicester City, Burnley at home to Aston Villa, and every point counts. Now, just going back to Everton's win over Chelsea, there has been some criticism of their goal for Jordan Pickford. While he made some brilliant saves, it's also calculated that he delayed restarts by six minutes, taking an average of 50 seconds every time he took a goal kick, 57 seconds any time he was taking a free kick, and when he had the ball in his hands, he held it for an average of 24 seconds before releasing it. Time wasting, perhaps? <laughs> I should think so. And uh, what else have you got for us, Stuart? Well, Steve, you know, we sometimes debate whether a change of manager mid-season actually works. But this season, it seems to. I mean, look at Burnley. Three wins and a draw under Mike Jackson. Newcastle have been transformed by Eddie Howe, moving out of the bottom three and up to tenth. Everton had won just five games out of 25 under Rafa Benitez, but now they've had four wins since February under Frank Lampard, including beating Chelsea and Manchester United. Now, with 11 goals and six assists, Bukayo Saka has been involved in 17 Arsenal goals this season. Born in England but of Nigerian heritage, his name Bukaya from the Yoruba language in southern Nigeria means adds to happiness and it's, his performance certainly adds to happiness but I bet you didn't know that Steve Cristiano Ronaldo scored again that was his 18th league goal and at 37 he's the oldest player to score 18 goals in a season 
since 1956 when Johnny Hancocks did it. What an achievement. And then there was Rob Holding, who scored for Arsenal against West Ham. Wasn't his first goal. I mean, he scored one in 2016. What a long wait for a second. And Bournemouth were promoted back to the Premier League after an absence of two seasons, with Jordan Zamora, their Zimbabwean international defender, born in the UK of Zimbabwean parents, playing regularly. And finally, Steve, I need to tell you about the unfortunate incident of Mark Shelton, who was unable to play for Hartlepool last weekend against Scunthorpe. Was it a broken bone? Did he pull a muscle? Well, no. He had some wax in his ear. He put a cotton bud in to remove it. The bud broke and got stuck. It upset his balance and he couldn't play. That just reminded me of a couple of other bizarre injuries. The Spanish goalkeeper Santiago Canizares missed the 2002 World Cup because he decided to put some aftershave on. Unfortunately, he dropped the bottle, it broke and cut his foot. And then there was Dave Besant, uh, who dropped a bottle of salad cream on his foot and missed the game. Don't footballers do some strange things, Steve? <laughs> uh, really bizarre happenings uh, in the world of football over the years. Thanks so much, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from East Steve Vickers and from Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.